I am so sick of the media dictating the terms of the narrative in this country. I'm so sick of having to be apologetic for who I am. I'm so sick of people in middle America being called a flyover country or slope-headed conservative teabaggers. And it's going to be teabagging day. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. <laughs> it's so funny because the teabaggers, the one thing they hate is when you call them racist. If racism is not the whole of the Tea Party, it is in its heart. The it's hatred that is Timothy McVeigh, that he had. There are plenty of people like that right now. Lots of I think you get the general tenor of this. It's anti-government. Since this is highly promoted by the right-wing conservative network, Fox. The left pits people against each other. Divide and conquer is the strategy. I don't want to live in that world. It is the exact opposite of e pluribus unum. And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and, and all, the, all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Road Warrior Radio. You're tuned in live this Tuesday, May 9th, 2023 on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. And as always, thanks for coming along for the ride. It is a wild and dystopic ride and the uncomfortable reality is that it is the devil's game all around us. And uh, you can't beat the devil at his own game. That's that's the... Uh, the hard truth of the matter. And so, so much of what passes itself off as some form of perceived resistance or whatever to the, the uh, I would say, in a sense, patently un-American onslaught that we face is just another flavor of Kool-Aid. You know, it's difficult to argue that, I mean, unless we're, we're talking about something radically different you know, unless we're all um, moving into an Anabaptist neighborhood, if you know what I mean, then um, there's not much that really is legitimate resistance. And this is, you know, we we are seeing something that's, dare I use the word unprecedented, something that you know, begins somewhere far, far away and um, infects every neighborhood everywhere. You know, when you talk about the environmental groups, uh, when William, before William in Montana passed away, we had some conversations on air about, for example, the crown of the continent area. And he mentioned the area that 
Um, Murray Strong bought up, you know, Murray Strong, the guy who talked about rewilding the rewilding initiative back in 1992 at the Rio Earth Summit. Uh, the, you know, the godfather of the environmental movement who was a Rockefeller cutout who made, <laughs> who was a, who was an oil magnate, billionaire, you know, Rockefeller cutout was the godfather of the environmental movement. How many people, how many misguided environmentalists realize that? And, you know, how many of those folks understand that the environmental movement was begun by very, very wealthy, very powerful, influential folks who want to get rid of the rest of us as quickly as possible and then want everyone else chanting uh, in unison. You know, the Coke song, I like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, that kind of thing. Get everyone singing on the same song. And so whenever you hear the message that, you know, if we could just raise the consciousness or, you know, that kind of thing, that again is controlled opposition. That's exactly what the devil wants to do is raise the consciousness and awareness. And when you see that in the proper context, it, it is very, I think, astonishing to say the least, the level of total war that surrounds us. And, um, so, you know, when it comes to the consciousness, what, what exactly is that all about? Raising the consciousness and awareness of the world. It's, uh, it's the same old Genesis 3 con. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's what's going on there. And one of the biggest harbingers or one of the best clues, I think, in realizing and understanding that is that the this massive, you know, raising of awareness and consciousness that includes everything and everyone everywhere. No one is to be untouched. Uh, this was this was preceded by the the dialectical uh, impulse. I've mentioned many times a conversation I had going on 20 years ago with a guy that I had just met who sold a very uh, successful little, um, it was kind of a knick-knacky store in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And so we were talking, just met. And um, he said, do you know what the biggest problem with America is today, something along those lines. And of course, my curiosity was piqued. And he said, it's the transition from didactic thinking, which I think is redundant, to dialectical thinking. This idea that, you know, truth is relative and, you know, what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. I mean, that that is such an absurd assertion on its face. So what if I think that, you know, murdering people I don't like is my truth. I mean, think about it. Well, you know, you can't deny somebody if they deny, if they identify as, well, what if I identify as Joe Biden? What if I identify as George Soros or Bill Gates? Not that I would want to, but, you know, do I get to go to the bank and cash checks? Is that how that works? It is absurd on the face of it. But we can see now where this leads debauchery 
and uh, the complete corruption and distortion of all things. You know, that's the slippery slope. So all of this revelation or all of this, you know, uh, enlightenment or raising of consciousness and awareness was preceded by the gaslighting and evisceration of truth and the didactic standard, right and wrong, good and evil. Now it's just shades of gray. And so we are realizing and suffering the consequences. Would that we returned to a simpler time and the didactic method. It means that some things are not okay, quite frankly. And uh, the more that we are, or shall I say, the less inclined we are to speak out in opposition to, let's just call it what it is, evil, the more we realize the, the truth of all of those cliches attributed to Edmund Burke, etc., you know, all that is necessary for evil to prevail is that good men say or do nothing or, you know, wasn't it Lincoln who said to uh, sin by silence when they should speak out? I think it was attributed to Lincoln, but it wasn't actually him. To sin by silence when they should speak out makes cowards of men, that kind of thing. And it's difficult when people have bought into the lie, hook, line, and sinker, you know. Again, speaking of cliches attributed to Mark Twain in this case, it's easier to fool a man than to convince him he, he's been fooled. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that's a form of Stockholm syndrome. And there are other things that play into it. Confirmation bias, bandwagon fallacy and other things, you know, come on, could a billion people be wrong? Absolutely. Especially when there is a mechanism that is propagandizing people overwhelmingly. Any number of people can be wrong. And so, you know, we, I think we're staring in the face of, shall we say, the grand conspiracy. I mean, really, in simple terms, what's happening, just to cut to the chase, what, what's happening? What's the ultimate, um, what's the ultimate end game here? It's Genesis 11 and Psalm 2, or maybe put another way, Genesis 11 to Genesis 6 to Psalm 2. Genesis 11 is the great unfinished work. What is that? You know, building a tower to heaven to overthrow God. Genesis 6 is the recreation of the world in the devil's image. That's what transhumanism and posthumanism and all that nonsense is. And, um, You know, that all culminating in Psalm 2. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. 
That's one way to look at it. That's one way to look at it, I suppose. That's, uh, that's a warped, perverted way to look at it, but that's one way. So what is, what is the result of that? And what is God's response? He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. That expression of the earth is an interesting one that's mentioned throughout the Bible, particularly in the book of Revelation. Worship the Lord with reverence. I think that's somewhat redundant, but just in case we're not clear on that. And rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. And the child that is hid with Christ in God, so to speak, is not fearful. Just like little children are not fearful. Anyway, that's the culmination of the deal leading to that. And the psychically mutilated, you know, I, I remember saying, I think it was 2013, that um, everyone in America is a trauma victim of one sort or another. I really think that's kind of, that's, that's uh, at least part of what was intended that um, Norman Dodd alluded to in his interview with G. Edward Griffin back in 1982, the transition that occurred in 1914 that also is mentioned in places like the, the externalization of the hierarchy, a work credited to Alice Bailey, a received work, quote-unquote. When we start seeing these things differently, I think it it really changes the nature of the conspiracy, if you know what I mean, or our perception of it anyway. If you realize that there are folks that are uh, who's, you know, it, essentially it's a, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it, it gives, speaking of terms of art, it gives ghostwriting new meaning, that's for sure. But if there are folks who are channeling spirits and doing engaging in automatic writing like Alice Bailey was, you know, eyes rolled back in her head, scribbling furiously while something is possessing and controlling her, then maybe it's not so much plagiarism as it is proliferation. So, again, I, I think that changes the nature or the um, perspective of the conspiracy. Maybe I should mention a little bit from, I think it would be interesting, actually, uh, shocking to most people. 
uh, if we talk about the the external externalization of the hierarchy i don't i don't i don't want to i don't like to uh, i don't think it's i don't recommend it but maybe worth um, mentioning a few excerpts and also we need to get back to uh, the the rock we got to get back to the rock the resistance operating concept and maybe maybe we should start there actually because one of the most salient takeaways you know hinting at the chaos magic that's at work is that you know this what what is happening relies on our participation you know um this is this is an acknowledged uh actually a quote from none other than Gene Sharp himself the godfather of color revolution so they repeat this several times throughout the document there are excerpts like this on page 100 of the document. Um, among the most prominent theorists of nonviolent methods of protest and revolution, who was the first rebel or the first uh, revolutionary? Wasn't it Lucifer and guys like Saul Alinsky dedicate books to that character? Among the most prominent theorists of nonviolent methods of protest and revolution was Dr. Gene Sharp. This this is this is advocated because what you do is you actually get people's buy-in along the way. You turn the whole world into uh, victim psychopathy, you know, psychically mutilated folks who then can be weaponized against themselves and one another in ways they don't realize. They're not balanced. They're angry and don't know why. And, you know, all of that reminds me of uh, Jesus saying, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Today I give you a new command, love your enemy. Or John 14, uh, peace I leave you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. Peace. In Romans, Paul reminds us to be at peace with all men in so far as it be possible with us. So, I'll mention, you know what, maybe we'll, maybe we'll dive down this rabbit hole a little bit. We'll see. Stick around. More right after this break.
consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air. And 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. One of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at kettlemoraineltd at cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, sierramadrepreciousmetals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure. Just good, hard, common sense. The decision then becomes up to you. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY.
So where are we? How crazy? Uh, there's an article on RBN right now. We've seen this, heard it. Uh, the headline is, University Slammed for Erasing the Word Woman from its Maternity and Menopause Policies, which is, I mean, I don't know. You know, who would think that things would get, you know, but that's what happens when you say bye-bye to truth. And the underpinnings of reality, we start to drift in the um, the Baudrillardian sort of simulacra and simulation direction. And the point, I think, for me anyway, the most salient takeaway in Jean Baudrillard's simulacra and simulation is the stages of drift. Four stages. The, the, the departure from reality is what it is. Four stages pure simulacrum in which the simulacrum has no relationship to any reality whatsoever. Can you feel it? Yeah. Third stage masks the absence of a profound reality where the sign pretends to be a faithful copy, but it is a copy with no original. Signs and images claim to represent something real, but no representation is taking place and arbitrary images are merely suggested as things which have no relate which they have no relationship to have you seen the sites uh where you know this i forget what they are this is not a real person is that it not a real person no ai is uh Generating, yeah. I mean, you do a search, not a real person, AI images. This person doesn't exist, dot XYZ, <clears throat> unrealperson.com. New York Times, November 2020, uh, designed to deceive. Do these people look real to you? Deutsche Weil, fact check. How can I spot AI generated images? Remember the. The uh, clip that we played, um, what was the headline on that? And it was um, yeah, CNBC 2019. <clears throat> uh, the headline was, ahead of the 2020 election, this Israeli startup is using military-grade tech to fight fake news. Remember, it was the Israeli startup Czech, led by Guy Tutanovich. And the article even says a former member of the IDF's uh, 8200 unit that deals with military cybersecurity, yeah, among other things. And the clip that we played was of this guy at, uh, is it USC, I believe, Hao Li? Is that really his name? The guy with half of his head shaved who looks like it, he has a little Spartan deal on the top of his head. The top deep fake artist and professor, Hao Li. That's definitely his Christian name, right? Hao Li. Maybe he's Hawaiian. Or not Hawaiian, as the case may be. So, uh, why? 
what is the purpose of these things? And that was actually, you know, you probably don't recall, uh, but the it was Melissa Lee and Tyler Matheson, the hosts, asked um, this guy, this guy, Tutano, or not this guy, not that guy, this guy, Hao Lee, um, what is the purpose of this technology? What is the what is the benefit of this technology? And he couldn't answer the question. The top deep fake artist and professor could not answer the question. So back to the third stage. Baudrillard calls this the order of sorcery, quote unquote, a regime of semantic algebra where all human meaning is conjured artificially to appear as a reference to the increasingly hermetic truth. It's alchemy. It's the mass alchemical transmogrification of mankind. And man, if you can't see that happening right before your very eyes. <laughs> Holy cow. It's incredible. We'll go to the phones when we come back. Stick around. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. Well, we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us 800-724-2719 extension 3 800-724-2719 extension 3 my name is don wiskin and at 42 years old i suffered a massive heart attack lost 35 percent of my heart to damaged tissue and was supposed to spend the rest of my life on disability what did i do i took extendivite a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. 
Extend your life with ExtendoVite. The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Syrah grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. first hour let's go to the phones james in vancouver thanks for calling welcome uh yes yes good morning, morning. i couldn't help it uh divide and conquer you say <laughs> yeah <laughs> the beginning of your show balkanization yeah divide and divide, and, was, divide uh, and divide until there is no more dividing yeah. possible yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough, or maybe uh, not so fortunate, some people might think, to uh, be able to work with the Chinese Communist Party in China for about two years. Um, and uh, I learned about their hierarchy. And, of course, I learned about their thinking and what have you. And, uh, of course, I grew up... In Canada and the United States, and I was taught we were free, and um, I believed it, of course. Um, then I got, you know, I got to observe and see what was going on in China, and uh, <laughs> it 
justice was swift, and uh, no, there were no Bibles around, and uh, nobody was um, nobody was looking for the moral high ground. Basically, uh, it was uh, Charles Darwin at his best. And um, what I discovered from that, those observations is that we have a hierarchy too. Hang on here a minute. We have a hierarchy too. Yeah, okay, great. We, we have a hierarchy, too, you see. Now, if you look at the writings of, uh, say, Kenneth N. Waltz, I refer to the book Theory of International Politics. I think it's on page 111, somewhere around there. Waltz says that the main priority of every, every hierarchy is for the preservation of that hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So, given that, uh, you can see that um, every uh, regime uh, seeks to maintain itself, and then there's divisions, and um, to get to the top of any hierarchy, of course, there's lots of um, competition, pushing and shoving, lying, cheating, and you mentioned the devil, just... Uh, at the beginning of your show, you see. Mm-hmm. So this uh, Achievelian uh, strategy uh, is uh, necessary, of course. Uh, well, some would say it was necessary in order to, you know, achieve power and maintain it. So um, I'm trying to speak to what you're saying about the moral issues involved in uh, politics and uh, the maintaining of society, you see. Well, it's interesting um, to me that when we get sucked into and brought along in the and by the nihilistic impulse, it's only, you know, I mean, the cliche of history is it's only too late that we find out, wait, I didn't mean that too. I just wanted to get rid of this. I didn't want to get rid of all of that, too. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, uh, so then you have uh, the growth of these agencies. Um, uh, We mentioned uh, that they set these protocols in place, uh, continuity of government and such like. So you mentioned a few minutes ago about... uh, Will it ever go back to the way it was where we had Eisenhower playing golf on the golf course and smiling? And uh, Well, of course, I hope it does, but uh, it's, um, it's a long road to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, uh, this uh, transition, I mean, uh, 50 years ago, I was going to make the point... If someone said tranny, I'd say Borg Warner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody knows what Borg Warner is today. So, um, but um, it's uh, it's been done by purpose, and it's been done by higher power. And um, whether uh, you know people talk about communism and uh, you know uh, freedom and so on and so forth, it's all all of these regimes are financed by the same people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
I guess my point is, is we're the puppets, and the puppeteers are very high up on that uh, on that uh, ladder there at the top. And so they dole out the money, and they make kings one minute, and they make uh, uh, destroyed societies the next minute. You see, so mm-hmm. those are my observations for today. I appreciate it. Well, all right. yeah. So in in Communist China, to the point that you were alluding to, which you were alluding, I would yeah. say probably no grace or mercy either. Really, just very a sort of ruthless exacting of, um, you know, some would call it justice, others would call it might yeah, makes right. right. Yeah. Well, I uh, I I'd like to shout out to all the people I saw get taken out and shot uh, while I was there, uh, and uh, I. I couldn't have done a thing about it, but I wanted to, but I couldn't. And the things they were taken out and shot for was one of them. There was three women. I remember one day get taken out, and uh, this was for organizing prayer in their homes. Okay, this was 1983. Well, so, that wasn't real communism, though, James. That was just you know it wasn't done right. So. <laughs> You know, I thought, I thought, you know, I mean, I never read any books about politics before I went to China, but I used to have friends that did. They read all the books. I have one of my classmates from high school. I wasn't in my high school, but he was a scholarship student. He ended up being a Marxist in the end, but he read all that stuff, Marx and Engels. And I didn't really read anything, but I was, like I said, when I got to China, I observed and, um, they followed that uh, that communist line to the T, and mm-hmm. in the end, what happens if you want to survive in a place like that? You simply learn to be a criminal. You mm-hmm. simply break the law yeah. when nobody's watching. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> in the end, you have no conscience, and everybody lies to everybody. Yeah, you never want to be honest with anybody there. Um, you know, and. Uh, it is the absolute 180 degrees from, say, um, they were going to Bible college. There must be some real good Bible colleges down there in Montana, North Dakota way, where you can sit and talk to people, and um, you can express your feelings and, you know, share your deepest, most uh, important uh, feelings. And I grew up in that uh, from a Catholic point of view, I grew up in that same kind of thing. And then, then I experienced uh, the Marxist-Leninist, uh, <laughs> you know, I just think I was, I was thrown into it, right, mm-hmm. and forced to mm-hmm. swim. And so this has been my education. Um, I've read some books, but I've not read them all by, by a long shot, but... Um, it was um, it was a serious experience, and uh, again, you learn to you, you again, like I said, Darwini- Darwinianism, you know, survival of the strongest, and I would mm-hmm. say the strongest of mind. Those who have the strongest minds can survive because they're able to look at the injustices and the rest of it, and simply keep on with their lives. You see. 
So, but um, I'll let you go, and uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll talk again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank well, you, James. It's been a great show. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. your thoughts and experience and uh, the sobering reality of things that we are beguiled to believe are uh, other than what they are. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, kind of like I said. Well, just by before, the way, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. One more thing is, when I was there in 1983, the Chinese communists had broken with the Russians. They told me. But then they also told me that they were going to meet in a couple of months in 1984, you see. So the China-Russia thing is an on-again, off-again thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. They don't trust each other, but sometimes they will make deals when they see that it's in their interest. Sorry to interrupt. and then back to your point about, you know, the financing of it. I mean, we can read yeah. Anthony Sutton and others and realize or or just read David Rockefeller's New York Times obituary yeah. and see that even the New York Times said that he had private airstrips in China and Russia. So, yes, no, Absolutely. but we're all Dave was, Yeah, Dave was the man uh, <laughs> of the Council of Foreign Relations. Dave Rockefeller, I don't say David, I say Dave. Well, not because I knew him, but Dave was the man. Yes, exactly. Henry Kissinger I, I was just on CBS Sunday morning this past weekend. They, uh, Ted Koppel interviewed him for his 100th birthday and asked oh, yeah. him, you know, if you got a, you know, if you got on the phone and tried to get Xi Jinping on the phone or Vladimir Putin, would they take your call? He said, probably. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. Well, that's the hierarchy right there. And Dave was yep. on top of the world. Yep. And Winthrop, Winthrop took Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sir. William go. Jefferson Blythe, who is your daddy? Sorry. What? Anyway. Thank you, James. Much appreciated. Uh, back to the phones. Mike in Kentucky. Thanks for calling. Well, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of Internet speculation for why the likes of Henry Kissinger and others live so long, and I would just like mm-hmm. to throw uh, another possibility out there because there's pictures of him uh, eating his own boogers. So I think that's probably it. That's why he made it to 100. He's not adre- not drinking uh, adrenochrome. He's, he's supplementing his immune system. I see. Well, I guess that's one theory. Lysomes are all in your mucous membranes, and they help slice up invading pathogens, so it's probably better than a vaccine. I heard that's where, you know, the idea for vaccines came from was uh, rich folks were picking the scabs off of the milkmaid's arms and eating them because they wouldn't get in smallpox. They'd get cowpox. And then they came up with a dumb idea of shooting stuff right into your veins, bypassing your immune system and screwing it up. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if you probably weren't listening, but he's talking China and communists and Russia and all this sort of stuff. Army PSYOP guy in the last show called in named Scott Bennett, and uh, 
his call went totally sideways. If you get a chance to listen to it, <clears throat> and I think the guy, I think it was Jeff Nyquist, well, had been attacking him, and somebody called him, and he called in. But I think it's a great example of how uh, somebody that's got some pretty good perspectives and uh, knowledge, inside knowledge, of how our uh, psychological operations work, allowed himself to get a little bit manipulated. Uh, and uh, this whole, you know, Russia-China uh, alliance myth, I think, is... Uh, we can we could give examples where I'm sure right now there's a lot of trade between America and Iran, you know, or any particular country that on the uh, surface and the news they're demonized, right? Right. But mm-hmm. in the background, there's people making money. Uh, it's yeah. too hard in this global economy to completely cut something off. Then you end up with you know black market and people making more money. Uh, trading through third parties. Uh, what was that? Um, Charlie Wilson's War is a great example of that. Did you ever get to see Charlie Wilson's War with Tom Hanks? Yeah, I have talked about that on a number of occasions. and uh, They manipulated mm-hmm. a way to get the uh, Mujahideen some uh, armaments that Congress was not allowed legally to get them. So they went, just went around the, the law, you know. Right. So... You know, it's another example. I, I fell off my couch. I thought it was pretty dang funny. Uh, obviously, I had to hold my nose a little bit with uh, Tom Hanks and all the liberals stuff flying around in that movie. Um, uh, Julie Roberts, uh, the bathroom, uh, the bathtub scene is hilarious. If, if you only watch that one thing, I think that you can find it on movie clips where uh, she just sarcastically says are you patronizing me and because uh, she said he says you you look very good naked and she's trying to get him to you know save the afghan the afghanistan for the afghanis and it's, it smells like she's a cia operative or something because she arranges all these meetings and uh she goes uh, he, he goes you know i'd like to help you out joanne i really would because you saved my butt and and this and that or whatever, and but I don't know how my uh, 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 contributors are gonna or my supporters are gonna uh, think of me helping Arabs or Muslims helping the cause of Muslims and and she just asks him you know how many Jews are in your district in Texas and he goes seven, uh, but uh, congressmen aren't elected by uh, voters. They're elected by contributors, and mine are in Florida, Hollywood, and New York. I'm elected by Jews because I'm Israel's man on the hill. And I was like, how did that get past the Hollywood censors? That movie didn't do very good, so, you know, hardly anybody knows about that scene. But, you know, it's just like basically, well, throw it right out there. You know, Congress, the voters don't count. It's the contributors. But uh, the, uh, I've heard Russia described as having the economic power of Italy. I mean, uh, so to say that they're that much of a threat is silly in that perspective. But the other flip side of the coin is uh, we've got 90 nuclear sites around this country with spent fuel 
and fuel pools. The rods don't get used but about two years in these reactors. And there are several spots where there's way more than the mess at Fukushima sitting at these reactor sites. Not all, not all the rods are hot, but a whole bunch of them haven't been transferred to dry cask storage. And they're sitting in the fuel pools close enough to where if uh, electricity gets cut off because the Russians attack, you know, that's, that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is that if somebody attacked America, we kind of have a de facto doomsday weapon, not just in the nuclear stuff, but if the electricity were to go out for more than a few weeks. Well, what if you have Israel engineer a Stuxnet situation where something maybe doesn't function that's properly? What some people yeah. think happened in Fukushima because uh, the Stuxnet got out. It was sent to Iran via thumb drives, and Iran does deals with China and, you know, scientific uh, consulting. So the Stuxnet made it into China, and then some say that that's why the safety systems didn't work at uh, Fukushima. The, the valve controllers that hadn't been used for the emergency scram systems didn't work. Everybody, the nuclear advocates say, well, there's a there's a scram system that operates on steam, and so you can scram the reactor. Well, so what? The, the rods are still hot for six years inside that reactor, inside the transfer trays, inside the cooling ponds. You still have to pump the dang water around to keep the rods from overheating and boiling away the water and going critical and catching on fire and blowing up, just like we saw at Fukushima. So imagine... You know, uh, a modern war where our electrical grid in, you know, any large significant portion of the country is taken out, you can have all kinds of stuff blowing up and contaminating the oceans and stuff. And, you know, it could easily uh, try to do a limited nuclear war on the United States by China and or Russia. It would, it would have a serious blowback effect on Europe and Russia and probably eventually the entire northern hemisphere. I don't believe we have enough soldiers in the world. China can't occupy the United States. You know, it would, it would and you've got to somehow, if they're going to take us down and preserve the farmland, they can't do that. I mean, even a limited tsunami bomb in the Atlantic, you know, that would take out the eastern seaboard would kill the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I mean, we saw that. If, if Some people think that Fukushima was a, uh, a tsunami bomb or some kind of earthquake weapon. Uh, look at the mess it created, and I still have Google alerts that come in about every week on the Fukushima mess that's still going on. They're fighting over releasing that filtered water into the ocean, and the tank farm just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so that that story ain't over, and it's, it's I think it has surpassed Chernobyl and its mess there. So I can't really blame Russia for trying to stabilize their part of the country because there's a huge reactor complex there and uh, like six reactors in Ukraine plus Chernobyl's mess, uh, not even counting all the bio uh, level three and four biological weapons, potential weapons labs that were going on there, and Ukraine selling missile parts to whoever, North Korea. Uh, you know, <laughs> Ukraine... Uh, I think is a great little money making money laundering operation. Uh, Biden was doing it as well as the Israelis. Any of the foreign aid that goes to Ukraine, uh, cream off the crop, has to pay first by law any of the debt 
owed to Israel or Israelis. That's built into the system. So basically it's uh, uh, campaign contributions back to Washington, D.C., because, you know, Israel's going to go lobbying campaign contribution, you know, with any of the money they get from foreign aid. It's like a revolving door, like a circus. I mean... Oh, uh, I see the Ukraine war is just the latest money laundering operation in a, in a long series of funding both sides of war, and uh, you've got to keep the public uh, stirred up to, and demonize the, the, quote, enemy, you know, whoever the latest enemy is of the day. But, uh, you know, get thanks for letting me uh, spout this off, because mm-hmm. some shows you can't... <clears throat> On all, even on RBN, you have trouble with with that, you know. And the exp- opinions expressed are not those of anybody in particular. Might be hopefully for your entertainment. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's high noon where I'm at. I'm going down to the OK Corral see if anybody shows up. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bye. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Much appreciated. Um, I don't know. That sort of reminds me of. Uh, on RBN, a couple of articles. The article you can find now that's uh, over at Zero Hedge reposted on RBN. The time is finally right for nuclear fusion. Um, yeah, that's an interesting conversation. And um, Vivek Ramaswamy has mentioned that in the context of the climate nonsense, there's some climate nonsense stuff uh on RBN right now as well. The uh, this article, for example, beware the globalist one health propaganda merging pandemic and climate emergencies. We heard that almost immediately, didn't we? That somehow climate and COVID go together, which is absolutely insane. So from PSYOP 19 to the globalist peace de resistance, PSYOP climate change, the confluence of technocratic brainwashing mass induced fear operations is accelerating and uh, the other one that goes along with the other article I mentioned earlier transgenderism confusing people about the nature of reality and victimizing children and uh, was it the New York Times recently that demonized the, the epic times anyway I forget I think it was the New York Times anyway Stick around. We'll be right back. Top of the second hour coming up. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit 
blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.